Have you ever heard someone in the midst of a difficult situation say that they feel like they're losing it? Not too long ago, I asked myself a question. What's the it that they feel like they're losing? It's not their mind. It may in fact be something else. You've experienced a significant loss. You go through a difficult situation. After a while, you may think you're coping very well, managing quite nicely, but then suddenly out of the blue, comes an experience. You feel an overwhelming sense of grief. You wonder where it's come from. You feel like you're losing it. These experiences are called grief attacks. And that's the theme of our program today, Living with Loss. talking about living with loss. Loss is a universal. All of us experience loss of one kind or another at some time or another. Oh, it may not be something we like to think about, but it's something that affects all of us. And any time we experience a significant loss, we're going to experience grief. Grief is a natural reaction. It's a natural response to any significant loss. Perhaps you're watching this program and you've had a significant loss. Perhaps someone you care about has died. Perhaps you've experienced a relational loss because there's been a separation or someone's moved away. Perhaps you've lost a job. Perhaps you've had a financial reversal. Perhaps you've had an accident or you're experiencing an illness. One way or another, you're experiencing loss. And grief is the natural response to any significant loss. Some losses are by choice and others are by chance. Situations are different, circumstances vary. But I think we've said it before, that no matter what the loss, the worst kind of loss is yours. Because as far as you're concerned, this is the worst thing that could have possibly happened. Certainly that's how I felt after my wife died. In the days and weeks that followed, in many ways I felt numb. I was in shock. I really wasn't feeling any pain. Well, maybe a little bit of pain, but the problem was that people thought I was doing well. They thought I was strong. They thought I was coping. The problem was that three months after my wife died, at a time when people thought I should be getting myself together, I felt like I was falling apart. I found that one day I would be doing fine, and the next day I'd be down in the depths. I wondered what was wrong with me. I felt like I was losing it. But in fact, I wasn't losing it. I was experiencing grief. This is the way grief works itself out. The problem, of course, is that many people don't understand what the usual pattern of grief is. That's what we're going to talk about today on this episode of Living With Loss.
said that grief is not a sickness, rather it's a normal or natural response to any significant loss. And yet it's amazing how we sometimes treat it like an illness. You know how an illness works. Remember the last time you had a sore throat? <clears throat> you woke up in the morning and you realized you were having difficulty swallowing and your throat was sore and maybe you had a bit of a fever and you thought, uh oh, I got a sore throat, I'm going to be sick today. So you went to the pharmacy or you went to the doctor, you got some sore throat lozenges or you got some medicine, you began to take your medicine. The first day the pain level was this much. Oh, it hurt, you felt sick, you felt miserable. But then slowly and predictably as the medication began to take effect, the pain level got less and less and less until a few days later the sore throat had disappeared and a week or so afterwards you'd recovered. Well, grief is not a sickness and it doesn't work like a sickness. In fact, sometimes when we have a significant loss, when the shock of that loss impacts us, at first we may be numb. We're not feeling a lot of pain. Oh, there's the ouch moment, but sometimes we're just in shock. People sometimes think we're strong, but in fact we're numb. But then a few days after, a week or two later, sometimes months down the road, the pain level begins to increase. We begin to feel the pain of grief. And then after a little while, the pain level decreases again. We think, well, that was pretty intense, but at least it didn't last too long. I'm getting over it now. I'm starting to recover. And then something happens and something triggers our grief and guess what? The pain level that we thought was decreasing suddenly increases again. We find ourselves going through the valley. We find ourselves struggling with the pain and the intensity of our grief. The difficulty, of course, is that when people don't realize that grief doesn't work like a sickness, they see us one day and maybe we're doing well, maybe we seem to be strong, maybe we seem to be coping, and the next week when we're down, they think, well, what's wrong with you? You were doing so well last week. And they begin to wonder if what we're experiencing is normal. These experiences are what I call grief attacks. Perhaps the best illustration I can give you of grief is that grief is very much like a roller coaster. Have you ever been on a roller coaster? with its ups and downs and ups and downs. One day you're up and the next day you're down. You're up for a while and then you're down in the depths and struggling again to cope and come to terms with what has happened. Sometimes you reach a plateau, you seem to turn a corner. If you ever turned a corner on a roller coaster, usually it means you're just about to plunge again into the depths. Grief is like that roller coaster. Just when we think we're coping well, just when we think we're going along fine, suddenly there's an upsurge of grief and we find ourselves struggling again to come to terms with the loss that has affected us. These grief attacks often affect us when we least expect it. It's almost like a wave overwhelms us. We find ourselves floundering and trying to find our balance. Sometimes 
We feel confused and we find it difficult to concentrate. We find that our mind is focused on everything else. We feel like we've lost it. A few years ago, I took my boys on holiday to Virginia Beach. We camped right on the beach and one of our pleasures each afternoon was to go down and watch the waves rolling in off the Atlantic Ocean. If you can imagine it, it was like a surfer's beach with these big breakers coming crashing into the shore. We used to like to get in our swimsuits and stand there right on the water's edge. We'd watch as a big six-foot wall of water would come crashing towards us. We would stand hand in hand, bracing ourselves, waiting for the impact. And the wave would crash over our heads. One minute we're standing on solid ground. The next minute the wave would crash over our heads and we'd find ourselves floundering and knocked off balance, trying to catch our breath, trying to get back to the surface. And then that wave would recede. We'd be standing on solid ground again. And then another wave would come crashing in. Once again, we're knocked off balance and floundering. And then the wave would recede and we were on solid ground once again. In many ways, this is a picture of grief. Grief comes in waves. One minute we may seem to be standing on solid ground. The next minute we're overwhelmed by a wave of emotion and feelings. We struggle to come to terms with what's happening. We're overwhelmed by a sense of loss. And then that wave recedes. Again, we seem to be coping. We seem to be doing so fine. And then another wave crashes in. And once again, we're emotional and struggling to come to terms with what has happened. These experiences are called grief attacks. Grief is not predictable like a sore throat. It comes and goes. It's like the waves. And certain significant things can trigger a grief attack. a grief attack <laughs> almost anything perhaps you're driving in the car and a favorite song comes on the radio and reminds you of a special time or a special place your mind goes back to the person and the event and you're overcome by a sense of missing the person this can be a hazardous situation you're driving the car and suddenly your mind isn't on the driving or perhaps you'll be at home rummaging through a drawer or a closet looking for something. Unexpectedly, you'll find an old letter, a photograph, in fact, any item or article that reminds you of the person who has died. Suddenly, you'll be overcome by the reality of their absence. Sometimes a grief attack will be caused by a significant date or anniversary. Christmas can be a very difficult time because regardless of our religious tradition or persuasion,
Christmas is a time for family. All the special things that make up Christmas remind us that this year we're not going to be together as a family, and that can be very difficult. Or the situation has changed, and you realize that this season will be different for one reason or another. Grief attacks can also come on many special days, birthdays, anniversaries, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, the annual family reunion. It's almost like we have an unconscious time clock that reminds us of these special times and these special events. We may find ourselves having a bad day or a grief attack, and not until later we realize the significance of that particular time. Something, anything, reminds us of our loved one, or reminds us of the situation of loss, and we grieve for the person, or we grieve for the situation once again. Here's something we need to understand, something that may come as a bit of a surprise. People often experience more grief attacks than long, uninterrupted periods of grief or depression, although these are possible. The problem is that people see us doing well for a while, and with that sore throat mentality, think we're doing fine, getting better, and that the pain is over. So when the grief attack occurs, they think we're back at square one. They wonder what has happened, especially when we seem to be doing so well. With grief, I think we have one of two choices. Either we can allow the grief to control us, or we can take control over the grief. One of the ways we can take control is by working through our feelings and reliving our memories, by being realistic about the fact that something has happened, we've had a loss. Now, how can we come to terms with that? I'd like to show you something very special. This beautiful box is what I call a memory box. And in my memory box, I keep some very significant articles. Here is a watch that belonged to my grandfather. It's actually pretty beaten up now and the glass is missing, but uh, I always think of him with his watch and chain and the little fob. And I can see him every time I look at this watch. Uh, sometimes I reflect on him also because I have his war medal and this was awarded to him after his participation in one of the wars. Every time I see these things I'm reminded of my grandfather. Another significant article in my memory box is this camera which belonged to my dad. It's actually quite an old Kodak camera and these are two of the pictures uh, one of myself <laughs> with my mom and my grandmother and another one was, that was taken by this camera. This significant picture is a picture of my mom and dad when they were married and I have this on a board. I have some other significant pictures. Uh, actually this one is taken of a gentleman who has been very special to me in my life who was my pastor in Scotland. Another family photograph. Some other photographs here in my memory box. Each and every one of these photographs has its own special memories. These coins are known as half crowns and those of you who were raised in Britain will know what half a crown was. 
My dad used to save these because of their silver content. And uh, I have some of his saved half crowns with me. And I think of, uh, of him and how he used to uh, keep them. In fact, one of these used to represent my pocket money every week. And so this was uh, kind of a valuable item. Also in my memory box, I have a letter that was written to me some years ago by an uncle who has now passed away. And some of the things that he says in this letter were very special, very significant. I love to read it, and I think about him as I do. Sometimes all of these memorabilia, all of these significant articles, bring memories that can be painful. Often our grief responses and the intensity of our feelings can make us wonder if we're going crazy. We're rarely prepared for the type and the strength of the grief reactions we can experience. They're so intense, so uncontrollable, so unexpected, that the mourner may question if they have lost touch with reality. Added to the fact that because people don't understand how grief works itself out, friends and relatives too may be looking at us through strange eyes. It's hardly surprising we might think we're going crazy. There is a sense of craziness about grief because of its unpredictable, intense, uncharacteristic manifestations. This isn't what we're usually like. But grievers are usually not crazy. These things may well be a normal part of the process. Even so, we can't minimize them and we don't want to. The fact that something is normal doesn't mean that we may not need some help and support to work it through. So back to our first question. When you feel like you're losing it, what is the it? Some time ago, I came out of the subway downtown in the city, and I came out at a strange and unusual exit. For a while, I looked around and all the tall buildings. I couldn't quite get my bearings. I wasn't quite sure where I was. I was lost. I figured that where I wanted to go must be in this direction, and I started to walk, but it wasn't too long before I came out and I suddenly realized that I wasn't where I thought I was. In fact, I'd been going in the wrong direction. I'd lost my perspective. I'd lost my way. What is the it that you may feel like you've lost? I think sometimes what we've lost are some of the boundaries, some of the familiar perspectives, some of the characteristics that help give us a sense of direction in our lives. Each grief attack is trying to help us realize that life is different. Each one tries to help us to come to terms with new perspectives and new directions. It's another opportunity for us to come to a familiar event, a familiar date, a significant anniversary, a place, a situation, and go through it for the first time by ourselves. 
That takes confidence and that takes courage. So each time we hear that familiar song or each time we're in that situation or each time we work through some of the special memories, each opportunity helps us learn a little bit more of what we have lost and how we can go on. We need to anticipate the difficult days. We need to recognize that, yes, Christmas will be difficult. Yes, that birthday, that anniversary will be difficult. I think we need to be gentle and forgiving of ourselves on such occasions. We need to anticipate them and figure out how we're going to work them for good. I remember some years ago a lady coming to me and we talked about the death of her mother. She had a particularly intense and difficult time after her mother's death. And as she approached the anniversary of that occasion, she wasn't looking forward to the day. In fact, I think it was fair to say she was dreading it. And so we talked about it. And in the course of conversation, I asked her what she might have done with her mother if her mother had been there. She said, that's easy we would have gone to a particular gallery and seen the art, and then we might have gone out for dinner and had a wonderful day. I suggested to her that perhaps that's exactly what she should do. She should go to the gallery. She should have her husband take her out for dinner and celebrate the day just as she would have done if her mother had been there. The day turned out to be a wonderfully healing time for her. She not only commemorated the mother's death, she also celebrated her mother's life. And in fact, that day was a significant day in as much as it was a real turnaround. We don't have choices as whether or not we experience grief. We don't have a choice in whether or not we experience loss because loss is inevitable. The only choice we have is whether we control the process or it controls us. This little dog has many memories for me. I remember when I was nine years old buying it for my mom as a birthday gift. Every time I look at it, I think of my mom, reflect on the wonderful person that she was and the many memories that I have of her. Many of these significant things can trigger memories, and every memory can trigger a grief attack. After my wife died, although I didn't know what they were at the time, I would have many grief attacks. Some days I'd waken up and I just knew I was going to have a bad day. Other days I'd be going along and someone would say something or Something would trigger a grief attack and suddenly I would find myself missing her again and grieving. When I was having a bad day, I had a very special friend and I called him up and we would have lunch together. We would go in and sit down in the restaurant and he'd say, how are you doing? And I'd say, well, I'm not doing too well. I thought I was getting over this. I thought I should have myself together by now. I thought my grief would be over and here I am again. Last week I was doing so well, and now look at me, I'm grieving and I'm emotional, I'm, I'm in despair, I'm having a grief attack. He would say, good. 
Well, I was never quite sure how to respond to that. But in fact, he was correct. The full realization of what was happening dawned on me little by little. Thank goodness it did. Reality hitting home a little more. These grief attacks are not a sign of weakness. They are, in fact, a sign of increasing strength. They're a sign that our system has decided that we can cope with a little more of the pain, that we're cutting one more strand of the cord. My bad day, my grief attack, was a good sign to my friend because it indicated I was dealing with reality. So perhaps we need to anticipate some of the times when grief attacks may affect us, these special occasions or these events, these significant times, these specific circumstances. And we need to develop the ability to be gentle and forgiving of ourselves at such times. You're entitled to have a bad day once in a while. You've had a loss. Now, that may not entitle you to give everyone else a bad day, but what are these feelings trying to tell you or teach you? What can we learn from this about how life is different? convinced that life is 10% of what happens and 90% of how I react to what happens. And so it is with you. You are in charge of your attitude towards what has happened. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Living With Loss. We're really appreciating the letters that we're receiving, and we ask you to continue those letters coming. We're going to take time in future programs to answer some of the questions and some of the grief issues that you're raising with us. So be good to yourself this week, and try to be nice to someone else, and never forget that somebody cares.